Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of John, chapter 9, verses 1 through 17 this week. And I came across this story told by a man, and I thought, you might like it. And he, he writes this. He says, once I saw this guy on a bridge about to jump, I said, don't do it. He said, nobody loves me. I said, God loves you. Do you believe in God? He said, yes. I said, are you a Christian or a Jew? He said, a Christian. I said, me too, Protestant or Catholic? He said, Protestant. I said, me too. What franchise? He said, Baptist. I said, me too, Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? He said, Northern Baptist. I said, me too, Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist. I said, me too. Would you imagine that? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist, Great Lakes region or Northern Conservative Baptist, Eastern region? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist, Great Lakes region. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1879 or Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. And I looked at him and I said, die, heretic, and I pushed him over. (laughs) That's almost as bad as AWs, wasn't it? (laughs) Oh... See, sometimes we get too caught up on, on, on religion that we forget who Jesus is. And so today my question is, is who do you say Jesus is? The Gospel of John was written between 90 AD and 100 AD. Scholars also believe that John wrote the three epistles uh, and the book of Revelation around the same time frame as he wrote this Gospel. The Gospel of John was written after Matthew, Mark, and Luke had already been circulating. And so this one was dubbed by most scholars as the spiritual gospel. John chapter 9, verse 1, New King James, we'll read out of that to begin with, and it says this. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. And as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he said these things, he spat on the ground, and he made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated, Sent. And so he went and he washed and he came back seeing. And therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. He said, I am he. And therefore they said to him, How were your eyes opened? And he answered and he said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And so I went and washed, and I received sight. And then they said to him, Where is he? And he said, I do not know. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. 
Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. And the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put clay on my eyes and I washed and I see. And therefore some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. They said to the blind man again, what do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. He said, he is a prophet. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today, and I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that this is the first part in a two-part sermon series. Lord, I ask that you would bless the reading of your word, and that you would bless the comments. Lord, I ask that if I'm about to say something ridiculous, that you'd stop me. And Father, I ask that you would open our ears to hear what you're saying to this congregation today. Lord, I pray for those who are sick. I know Ed's got somebody and, and Tammy's family's sick and Amanda's not feeling good. Um, Lord, we just ask that you would bring peace to those and bring healing as well in your wings. And God, we just thank you that you are the great physician. Lord, we pray that you would send us one person this week that we can tell about you and invite to church. Just one person. And let us not miss that person. And we'll thank you for it all in advance in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Jesus, I'm about to tell you who Jesus is. Jesus is God in the flesh. We could stop right there. He is God in the flesh, period. However, he's also a miracle worker who deserves all the credit for those miracles. And did you know he is controversial even to this day? He's controversial even to this day. Number one, Jesus is the miracle worker. Not a miracle worker, but the miracle worker. John chapter 9 verse 1, and we're going to go to 7, and it says, and I'll be reading out New Living, so it'll be on the screen. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? And it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. And then he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. So Jesus and the disciples, they're walking along, and they come up to this blind man, and the disciples ask a question. You see, this was not a far-out question. To us, it seems so elementary that, you know, sin doesn't necessarily cause sickness, but to them, it did. That was what they believed during this time. Sin and sickness went hand in hand. So the disciples asked just a simple question. Who sinned that this man is like this? Who caused the sin that made him blind? How is it that they just assume because he had physical ailment that he got it by sinning? How often do we hear that even today? Yes, some sins can leave us physically messed up. They can. 
such as liver and kidney issues from too much alcohol, and that's just an example. But that's not always the case. Some people are sick because sin has entered the world, period. Not that they sinned necessarily, or their parents sinned, or, but that sin entered the world, and guess what? It messed up the entire world. A specific sin didn't just make them that way. It's just the force of sin, as I like to call it. It's the consequences of sin all around us and, and through the earth. And sin entered the world when mankind fell in the Garden of Eden. And because of that, we have a breakdown of genetics. We have a breakdown of morality. And sometimes people are both with, have physical problems, they have spiritual problems, they have mental problems um, due to chemicals being off in their brain and all sorts of things. But it all comes down to sin entered the world at the Garden of Eden when mankind fell. That's all. However, in this man's case, we're told something different, aren't we? We're told this man's case, he was born that way so that Jesus could make him well. He was born that way so that he could bring glory to God. How wonderful is that? To know that the reason that you had an ailment was because it was to bring glory to God. So that God could heal you. And you know, he still does do healings. And, and I don't believe it's on TV all the time. I think that's hyped up. But I've heard stories, I've seen things where they've brought somebody to the altar or to the preacher and they've said, hey, anoint him with oil. And they anoint him with oil and lo and behold, he gets better. You think that's not God? So Jesus, in this instance, he spits on the ground and makes mud with the spit and then he put the mud on the guy's eyes. You know, my first reaction to this is that's, that's pretty gross. Um... Let's be honest, that's pretty gross. If somebody spits on the ground and now they want to rub it on your eyes, I'm like, you're a bully. Um, you know, that's my first reaction is I, I don't want some guy putting muddy spit in my eye. But uh, this blind man, he had faith in Jesus and everything he had heard about Jesus. And he allows Jesus to do this. And this shows great faith in Jesus. For somebody to put spit on your eyes, that shows great faith in that person, doesn't it? But he was tired of being that way. He was tired of being blind. And so he placed his faith in Christ. And, and when you're tired, and, and I mean truly tired of something in your life, you're going to place your faith in Jesus and let him change you. I can hear it now, but pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. Are you tired of it yet? Are you truly tired of it yet? Because some people, they, they thrive on drama and they thrive on sin and that's what they, they love. Are you tired of it yet? Because when you are, then you can truly submit to Christ and ask him to change you and to change your situation so that you can walk out of it. Are you tired of it? Jesus sends this man to wash his eyes in the pool of Siloam. Now, Siloam literally means to be sent, as we're told in the text itself, and and this man was sent to the pool by Jesus to wash his eyes. And now when this man went to the pool, he still could not see. All he had was muddy spit on his eyes. But he had to walk to the pool of Siloam. And when he got to the pool, he washed his eyes. And then what? His sight came back. He was able to see again. 
or at all. And there are some points about this that we need to recognize. Number one, he submitted in faith to allow Jesus to put muddy spit in his eyes. He submitted in faith. And number two, he was obedient to what Jesus told him to do. And he went and washed his eyes. You know, some people will come up to me and they'll say, Pastor, I, I, I just don't feel like I hear from the Holy Spirit anymore. I feel like I don't hear from God anymore. And I'll ask him, what do you mean you don't hear from God anymore? Well, I read my Bible and I understand it and I get, you know, personal revelation out of it and it feeds my soul and, and all of that. But, but when it comes to what am I supposed to do, I don't hear from God. And I'll ask him, when was the last thing he asked you to do? Oh, well, that was, you know, 10 years ago. He asked me to be a Bible teacher, you know, Sunday school teacher. I said, well, good. Have you done it? Well, no, I ain't done it. Well, don't expect anything new from him then. You ain't done the last thing he told you to do. Go do that, and then maybe he'll give you something else to do. And maybe that's all he's asked you to do. I don't know why I told that story, but there you go. You know, sometimes Jesus is going to ask us to do things that make no sense to us. That's why. What do you mean? What do you mean Jesus is asking me to do things that make no sense? You know what makes no sense? Let's get honest. Let's be real honest. You ever heard the term, put your money where your mouth is? Yeah, sometimes he asks us to do things that make no sense. You know what one thing he tells us to do that makes no sense? That's give 10% of our, of our offerings, of our, everything, of our entire income uh, to the church. And, and you know what else he says? You'll be blessed. But that's what he promises, is that you'll be blessed. Malachi 3.10 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it. Try it. That's what it says. Try it. Put me to the test. Luke 6.38 says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Press down, shaken together. To make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Second Corinthians 9, 6-9, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. And you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. And as the scripture says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. By the way, this is the only time God says to test him in anything. Did you know that? And sometimes it may hurt to start tithing. So I, I, I did this myself. Pick a percentage, whether it's 1%. 2%, whatever, start from there, and then go up as God blesses you. Each week or each month or each whenever, whenever God will start to bless you and watch the blessing start to happen. Well, what do you mean by a blessing, Pastor? Does that mean I'm going to get more money? Not necessarily, but you may see your stuff not break down as often. Now, you can tell me I'm crazy, but here's what I did once. I said, Lord... You asked me to tithe, and I got this old 1985 Buick, and this was back in 2000, and I had an 85 Buick. 
Man, we ripped out the AC because it didn't work anyway just to get better gas mileage because it was loading it down. And it started making a noise. And I said, okay, I know these prayer ladies that get together every Monday night and they would pray. I call them prayer warriors because they could pray now. And I took this car to them and I said, I ain't got the money to fix it. But, you know, the Lord asked me to start tithing. I was in high school, by the way, so I didn't have much money. And the Lord asked me to start tithing off my little paycheck that I got at Publix because I was a bagger at Publix. Yeah, I started my career as a bagger at Publix. So that's okay. One day I might end it there. Who knows? And uh, he uh, and, and the ladies, these, these nice little old ladies, they said, let's go outside. And I said, okay, y'all crazy. What are you going to do? And they laid their hands on that car, and that, they prayed the strangest prayer I ever heard in my life. Lord, we lift the engine block up to you. I said, okay, they mean business. And they started lifting all these things up to God. I didn't even know what they were at the time, like that water pump and the, and the, the, the oil pump and the, this and the that and the gas tank. And the, Lord, let it not rust out his gas tank so he can have gas as he goes. And, you know, it took a couple of years and it still made that noise, but it still kept going. It kept going to the day I traded it in. And when I traded it in, one of the mechanics there said, I like that car. And so he took it and he still, still ran around with it last I heard. That was over 20 years ago. But, <laughs> you know, I don't know if it's still in commission, and, but it was working. So, you know, God asks us to do some strange things sometimes, but he blesses us when, he, when we do. And um, just like the man who's healed... Uh, he's heading for the pool. You're heading for the pool. Nothing's happening. That man, you just like you, Jesus asks you to do something, and all Hades breaks loose on you. You know what I mean? Jesus asks you to do it, and all of a sudden, the enemy's fighting you. Why? Because you're doing something for Jesus. And then all of a sudden, you're like, Lord, I'm heading to the pool, but nothing's happening here. As a matter of fact, I'm tripping over things. <laughs> all right? But you've got that promise from God. And then all of a sudden, it just seems to happen. The miracle, the blessing happens. And all of a sudden, it's all cleared up. And you look back on it over your life and you go, Lord, I wouldn't have done it that way, but I'm glad you did. Because <laughs> you made it right. Why? Because you stepped out in faith and then you took another step and another step until, until it happened. Until God blessed you. You know, this goes beyond tithing. This goes beyond just teaching Sunday school, this goes, this goes trusting God on a daily basis to do what he said he's going to do in his word, to do what he promised that he would do personally to you. Tithing is not only uh, the only thing that doesn't make sense that God asks you to do. How about sharing the gospel? That can be hard, doesn't it? But Lord, they may not like me. But Lord, I don't want to be shot down. Lord, I don't want to get into an argument. Well, you know, you know what the gospel says? It says through the foolishness of preaching, and that's how people are saved. And when you share the gospel, guess what? You're preaching the word of God. You really are. It's God's word. Preaching simply means to proclaim forth. 
prophesy. Everybody talks about prophesying God's word. You hear that a lot. All prophecy means is to proclaim God's word. And when you're sharing the gospel, you're proclaiming God's word, are you not? 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. And as the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debates? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. And since God in his wisdom saw it to it, that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jew who asks for signs from heaven. And it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. We need to step out in faith in whatever God has asked us to personally do and continue in faith until we see the fullness of the promise of God until the miracle is fully revealed and fulfilled in your life. Number two, Jesus is the one who deserves All credit for his miracles. Not the guy on the stage. Not the person who prayed. But Jesus is the one who deserves all credit for his miracles. Period. John 9, 8 and 12 says this. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other. Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was and others said no. He just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. <coughs> Excuse me. They asked, who healed you? What happened? And he told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. And so I went and washed and now I can see. Where is he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. He's just amazed that he can see. When Jesus works a miracle, we need to be like that. We need to be like the beggar. Did he keep it a secret? Well, no. No, he told everyone he came in contact with about what Jesus had done for him. You know, a testimony is what this man gave. We used to call that a testimony. Matter of fact, I still do. And what was his testimony? Jesus put mud on my eyes, I washed in the pool, and now I can see. That's his testimony. Short, simple, and to the point. By the way, a testimony is not something that you recount all the bad things you're going through or the gossip session that you want to have. A testimony is used to do this or that, or I was blind, but now I'm not anymore. That's what it is. A testimony is I was one way, God came in, he made a difference, and look at me now. That's what a testimony is. Why? Because it's all about Jesus, that's why. A testimony is a time to brag on Jesus, not just your problems, but how Jesus worked your problems out. 
That's what a testimony is. I should be able to ask each and every person in this room, listen to me now, I should be able to ask each and every person in this room, what has God done for you this week? And you should be able to tell me something. From the simplest, well, God healed me from a cold to the, to the most complex of I was dying, but look at me now. I'm, I'm off my deathbed. God raised me up. Or to be even simpler, you know what? I got up this morning and I could come to church. Because let me tell you something. There's many people who can't. My wife this morning is hurting so bad she can't move. She couldn't make it. So be thankful and give all glory to the one who deserves the glory, and that's Jesus Christ. Not only did this guy give all praise to Jesus, when others heard about it, guess what? They asked, where, where is this Jesus? Where is he? Well, unfortunately, his answer was, I don't know. Guess what? Our answer is going to be quite different. I know where Jesus is. He lives in my heart. I know where Jesus is. He's my best friend. I know where Jesus is. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He is everywhere. He knows all things. He is the power. He is God. Our answer should be that. It should be very different than the beggar's. And then we should always end with, let me tell you about him. Should always end with, let me tell you about the gospel. Let me tell you about what Jesus did for me in salvation. Number three, this is where it gets controversial. Jesus is controversial. Always has been and always will be. John chapter 9 verse 13 says, and then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed them. And the Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, he put the mud over my eyes and when I washed, I could see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man Jesus is not from God for he is working on the Sabbath. And others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? And so there was a deep division of opinion among them. And the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion about this man who healed you? And the man replied, I think he must be a prophet. Well, that caused some stirring, didn't it? Here we are during this time, it was common practice that if God worked a miracle, you were supposed to go to the religious leaders and show them that miracle so that they could verify that God had worked a miracle. Well... There seems to have been quite a bit of debate as to whether this was a true miracle or not because it was worked on the Sabbath. You see, during this time, you could do no work on the Sabbath. As a matter of fact, the religious leaders went so overboard about not doing any work, you made just about everything a sin if it was done on the Sabbath. You plan on cooking? You better not cook on the Sabbath. You do it the day before because you can't do it on the Sabbath. That kind of thing. So to get an answer, they haul this poor guy who's just been, who was blind, but now he sees before the religious teachers, and they're known as the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were split. 
And they all recognized that a miracle had truly happened, but because it happened on the Sabbath, some said that Jesus was not from God, and others said that if he isn't from God, how can he work such a miracle? The miracle was not in question. They said he was blind, but now he sees. There was such a deep split. They asked the ex-blind man again what he thought of the man. He's like, this guy has to be a prophet because look, look what he's done. To this day, the works of Jesus in the scriptures remain controversial. There are those that deny that they ever happened. They say they're myths. There are those that, that just say, well, all about Jesus is a myth. He never existed. Well, guess what? You're wrong. History has proved that you're wrong. The Bible is a part of history as well, and it proves that you're wrong. And let me tell you something else. The inner witness of the Holy Spirit living inside of me tells me that you're wrong too. Now that may not be objective, but, it also, but that's the witness of the Spirit. To this day, the works of Jesus remain so controversial. There are multiple so-called documentaries that you can pull up right now on your on your streaming services or on History Channel, especially during this time of year. They've got all these so-called documentaries about Jesus, the true Jesus. And you know what? A lot of them are full malarkey. Yep, I said the word malarkey. A lot of them are malarkey. They try to denounce him as God and and they they try to make him of, of no repute. And you know what? There are multiple documentaries who do just the opposite too. And those are good documentaries. They, they try to show that he is God. They try to show that, that what he did changed the world. And to this day, there's no one more hotly debated than Jesus. Or if you're, if you're Jewish, it's Yeshua, because that's his Jewish name. Jesus is actually a translation. He causes a polarizing effect amongst the people. He really does. Even in churches. Why do you think we have church splits sometimes? Well, a lot of the time, it ain't because of Jesus. But they think it is. He causes a polarizing effect. There are churches out there that start teaching other stuff than Jesus. And guess what? Church split happens. Why? Because they got away from Jesus. It's all about Jesus. As C.S. Lewis once said, he's either who he says he is, or he's a liar or a lunatic. You choose. There's no in-between. You need to come to the decision of who he is, and it needs to be the right decision. He either is who he says he is, the Son of God, the second in the Trinity, God in flesh, or he's a liar, or he's a lunatic. You cannot call him a good teacher. And that's it, because then he would be a liar. How can a good teacher be a liar? You cannot say he was a good man, but he was, he was you know, a little off his rocker. Well, then he'd be a lunatic. Who'd want to follow a lunatic? Nobody. That leaves one option. He is who he says he is. I don't care how bad the church is. I don't care how bad you are as a Christian. I don't, I don't care. If you're a hypocrite, welcome to the club. You know what I mean? We're all hypocritical to some extent. 
We need Jesus to forgive us and make us better daily. Day by day, we become more like Christ. You can't look at somebody and say, it's because of you I'm not a Christian. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus ain't going to accept that. He's going to say, I gave you my word, and in my word, you saw what happened. In my word, I told you who I am. It's not based on Brother Joe as to whether or not you, you accepted me as your Savior. It's based on you and me. What you do with Jesus. Who do you say Jesus is today? Is he your Savior? Is he God in the flesh? Is he the miracle worker who deserves all the credit for those miracles that have happened in the history, in the past, and in your own life? And is he controversial to this day? He is all these things, but most of all, he is the Savior, the Lord, as the ladies come. He is the Lord. And when Judgment Day happens for you, it can come at any time. This week, I lost a student. I taught years ago. He was in his 20s. He decided to get on one of these sport bikes and do 80 mile an hour crossing the street hit the back of a flatbed truck, split him in two. He was dead instantly. As far as I know, he never accepted Christ. I hope he has. I hope he did because he just entered eternity on Wednesday night or Thursday night. It can happen to you at any time. Whether you're here in the building, whether you're listening by podcast or over YouTube or streaming, it can be any time, any way. What are you going to do about Jesus? You're given that opportunity today. That's right. Do you know? Do you know that you know? That when you enter eternity, you're going to be with Jesus this morning. When I ask that question, you should know. Do you know that you know? If not, you can know. And all it takes is Jesus help me come into my heart. Be my master and savior. Take everything. It's not about the exact words that come out of your mouth. But the heart belief. And the confessing him as Lord of your life. Do you confess him? If you're a Christian, when's the last time you took this controversial figure in history, God in the flesh, and said, here, let me share him with you. That gift that is given that we celebrate on Christmas That gift of Jesus. Oh, he didn't have to come. He didn't have to do what he did, but he did it out of love. When's the last time you shared that with somebody out of love? Maybe you need to think about that this morning as we close. If you'd like special prayer, I'm up here for that. I could pray with you. If one could put a thousand to flight, the Bible says two could put ten thousand to flight. He said, if two or more agree touching anything, it will be given to them. 
of course, according to his will. If you'd like to join this church by letter, statement, or baptism, we can do that too. Anytime. Anytime. Anything you need. We're here for you. Welcome home. As we stand and sing the invitation song, Mr.